Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, We eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So I'm happy to report that the colonisation of Wales is a pre- <laughs> proceeding according to plan. Your children, and if not those, your grandchildren will all speak like Mike and I before it. <laughs> So when I uh, started preparing for this sermon, I, Mike helpfully didn't give me a uh, scripture to preach on. And uh, my inspiration came from a reading I did a little while ago in Galatians, and that just emphasized something that I wanted to share with you again today. So what is the freedom that Paul talks about in verse 1 of this passage in Galatians? When we think about freedom, we usually think about freedom from oppression, uh, freedom from incarceration, the liberty to do what we want. Um, We might even, especially if we were young adults in the 60s and 70s, which some of us might have been, think of the hippie culture, flower power uh, and peace. The ancient word, uh, the Greek word used by Paul here um, has many meanings. But it conveys the concepts of a freedom from slavery, independence, absence of external constraint, negation of control or domination, and freedom of access. From the passage, though, it is clear that Paul intended to his readers, for his readers to again consider the freedom that Christ gave them when they became Christians, not to hark back to that what was before. 
which is following the rules and the regulations, the law that the Israelis had been given uh, so many centuries ago. It's important to note that later in the passage, uh, after the, uh, the, the section we've just read, Paul goes on to reiterate that having that freedom doesn't mean we don't need to obey the rules. Uh, it's the emphasis that counts. So the question is, how does this relate to us today? So let me take you back 2,000 years first to when Jesus walked the earth with us. Historical narratives and, of course, the Bible give us an insight into how the law and the associated rules and regulations govern everyday life. Jesus' encounters with the Pharisees are well known. We might even say infamous. So that got me thinking about what leads to those modes of developing the rules and then trying to obey them. And two things came to mind. There is our need to control things. We want to be in control of our lives, of every aspect of our lives, and hence we lay out rules by which we live. And we adhere to those very strictly um, in order to order ourselves and our existence. We each set ourselves up as a little god of our own dominion, essentially, to control what we are. And the second one is to stand in judgment. So again, we set ourselves up to judge those that don't follow the rules so we can condemn them, look down on them or shun them. And we see that played out by the Pharisees only too frequently right throughout the Gospels. Now, unfortunately, the church, and I, by that I mean the whole body of the church, through history over the last 2,000 years, fell into the same trap. Perhaps not unsurprisingly, we decided to regulate how we worship and maybe even how we live as Christians or how we should live as Christians. You know, the taking back of control of what we should be doing um, made its way into the church as well because we're human. So just like the Pharisees stretched or enhanced the law to the nth degree, down to the miniature of, of everyday life, we in turn interpreted small pieces of guidance and direction in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and turned them into hard and fast rules that people must obey in order to be accepted into church to not face being excommunicated or um, just not tolerated. So if we think of the church, there were two examples, and I'm, I mean there are many, many, many I could have picked out um, throughout history actually. But I picked out just two, and some of those fortunately have changed and we need to look at these all in the context for the time they were in as well. So, for example, our Sunday worship. I mean, when I was growing up, I don't know about you, 
if you didn't appear at church on Sunday, you would expect a call from the minister, the deacon, or the elder to find out where you were. Why weren't you in church? You know, we turned not to give up meeting together, as the writer of Hebrew states, into you must attend church every Sunday. Never mind the fact that, of course, at that time, they met in each other's homes. You know, there was no regular meeting. They probably had irregular meetings as and when they could fit it in or when somebody was uh, willing to host. And I'm not saying we shouldn't get together on a Sunday morning. I think there's real value in getting together in larger groups. Uh, the Bible gives us numerous examples where the people are lifted up and gathered together and taught things in large groups. I think of Nehemiah after the return from Babylon, where he sits the whole um, community down and, and he reads through the scriptures to uh, re-enlighten them, to remind them. And of course, Jesus was famous for having to feed thousands that came to listen to him. Uh, and of course, there's the Sermon on the Mount. And then the second example that I came up with, certainly when I was young, it was expected that women should wear a head covering in church. And it depends on what your background is, whether that was true or not. But it was expected that women should cover their heads in church because of a often quoted single passage that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Uh, when in fact, in that culture, in that time, it was perfectly normal for women to wear their heads covered. A, a woman with their head bared was considered loose, and they were, they were concerned about how that would affect uh, the other believers. And as I said, there are many more I could pick. But that's enough rambling. Let's get back to the passage. Now, we all have preferred versions of the Bible, so I'm going to be controversial here and say that uh, I have favorites and I have not-so-favorites. Some people prefer the message for its clarity, its everyday language. Uh, some the NIV, uh, and there are many others you can choose from. I like the King James Version, but I'll be specific. I like the New King James Version without the these and the thous and the ists. And what I love about the different versions, actually, is that I love comparing what the Scripture says in all of those, um, you know, to get the most out of the passage. The challenge with dealing in translated writing, and we're dealing with translated writing, none of the Scriptures were written in the language that we uh, speak today, is that there is a real shortage of words or phrases to get across the exact meaning that was meant in the original language. And the interpreters of the Bible do their best to extract the meaning as best they can. And of course, that is open to interpretation as well. So looking at as many versions as possible and from as many sources as possible gives you the best view of what the original writer intended. It has to be said, I have another language that was translated in its own right as well uh, to compare. So if we look at verse 1, as written in the New King James Version, it changes the emphasis from that in the NIV that was read to us earlier. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty 
rather than you know, stand fast in the freedom. So you know, it, it, it emphasizes the liberty in Christ up front rather than later, uh, as, is, as is translated in the NIV. And both are valuable, but both bring a coin across the point that this is what we should be clinging to. We should be focusing on that liberty that Christ provides us. And then we read why Paul wrote this in particular. So a little bit of history in Galatia, in Minor Asia, what is today um, uh, modern Turkey, um, a group of believers there had been misled by some Jewish believers who had fallen back into the mode of, you know, the whole gospel belongs to the Jews, really. So you need to follow all the rules that they had and then accept Christ. Only then could you be a real Christian. And the men were all asked to be circumcised, and they were asked to follow various rules, etc. And it's interesting that actually the circumcision never had anything to do with Israel's redemption. It only had to do with setting them apart. Now, it had no value in salvation in the central story of the gospel of Christ. I think in the same way, we've, in the past, we've kind of focused in on the wrong things as well. You know, we've focused on following the rules, on doing what is right, etc. When what we should have focused on was what Jesus tells us uh, when he summarized uh, the, uh, the, the law. In verse 6, Paul writes that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And this isn't a new thing. This has been the story of this book, or as I prefer to call it, this revelation, right through history. The fact that we didn't actually just disobey God in the Garden of Eden. We lost faith in him. We lost faith that he was going, that he was all-knowing, that he knew better, that he would provide for us. We wanted to take that into our own hands. We essentially lost faith. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, that it is only about two things. You need to have faith in God and love him and love your neighbor as yourself. That is all that matters right from the beginning. And Paul reemphasizes that right now. So over the last year, probably the most notable thing we've done as a family, so in 2021, we embarked, on the 1st of January, you embarked on a, one of these read the Bible in a year uh, programs, where it actually read the Bible to us in chronological order. 
uh, and I'm going to put in a plug for the organization that provides some of the material uh, in, that, uh, in that space. But the key thing about it is when you do that, you see, especially in such a compressed period of time, you know, with commentary and uh, other material to help you understand what each book is about and how it fits into the, the whole narrative of the Bible, is you start to see the whole cohesion of the story right through the ages. It isn't about disjointed Old Testament and New Testament, an old regime and a new regime. It's all a cohesive piece of literature that points to the way for humans to be reconciled to God. That's all it's about. It really is about faith, nothing more than faith and love. And it's also to be clear that it's nothing less than faith and love. Now, if you want to get a picture of how it all fits together, there's this um, project that was started a number of years ago now by two youngsters while still at college, college in, uh, in America. Uh, one an illustrator and one who um, is really, really excited about studying the Bible. You know, I've met people that are excited about studying the Bible, but this young man takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> And they got together and founded this project called The Bible Project, and it's worth looking up. You'll find them on YouTube, they have an app, and you'll find them online as well. And they provide an invaluable set of resources, not only when you're delving into a specific book, but when you want to know about specific topics in the light of that whole story in the Bible. John from The Bible Project has this um, incredible uh, gift of seeing connections between parts of the scripture that I have certainly never seen before. And with their illustrative um, videos, they can bring that across in ways that are quite incredible. So we think about faith and love and the freedom that that gives us, that everything that stems from those two will fulfill the law. Now, if you think about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, you're not going to murder somebody you love. You're not going to cheat on a spouse that you love. There are, you know, those two rules are all we need to follow. And with that, I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads in prayer briefly. Heavenly Father, as we're reminded of the ways in which you reach out to us, of the salvation that your son Jesus brought us, of the freedom that that gives us to concentrate just on you and to love those around us. We pray, Lord, that we would you would afresh send your spirit, just as Paul writes in Galatians, that you would send your spirit to awaken that faith and love in each of us, to nurture it, to grow it, 
and turn us into the people that you want us to be to grow your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.